This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest this morning is Jack Weldy. He is the co-founder and CEO of a, uh, a company called Smartling. He's a technology early adopter, serial entrepreneur, software patent holder, product evangelist, and combat decorated Air Force pilot. Before founding Smartling, he serves, served as an SVP of product at eMusic and COO and CTO at She Speaks and Runtime Technologies. Jack, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. It's a long bio. Thank you, Nathan. Hey, yeah, of course. We're g- glad to have you. So you go from the Air Force to translation services. How the hell does that happen? I'm not sure. Actually, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I think uh, there's a there's probably a pretty good explanation of that. For one thing, uh, in the Air Force, I grew up in the Air Force as a military dependent. My dad was Air Force, and then I was in the Air Force myself and uh, traveled all over the world. I lived, prob- lived and worked probably 25% of my life outside of uh, the U.S. And so I think at some point, the correlation between, uh, you know, language and culture and how important those things are became very, very clear. And it became very obvious that, hey, there's a big wide world out, out there of people who are buying products and services and translation is important to that. Well, thank you for your service, Jack. Now, tell us about Thanks. SmartLink. So, so you hinted about what it does, but what are you doing? What's your business model? How do you make money? Yeah, so SmartLink is a software company. We're a software company and we are we provide a SaaS platform, a software as a service platform that helps companies to translate their digital content more effectively and more efficiently. And so what does that mean? It means companies have websites and email and support content and other marketing materials that if they want to reach customers around the world, they need to translate into multiple languages. And if you're doing that at any kind of scale, it's just too hard to email things back and forth between an agency and then try to figure out where to put these in your content management systems, in your marketing platforms. And with software, we can take care of all that for you. The moment you create content that needs to be in 50 languages, we can capture that content, we can organize it, we can route it to the right translators around the world, and then we can deploy it right back where it belongs and put it in the hands of your customers faster. That's what we do. And give me a sense of kind of customer sizes you like to work with. What's the average customer paying you per month or per year? Yeah, so our, you know, our, our customers pay us anywhere from, you know, $10,000 a year all the way up to, you know, a couple million dollars a year, million, million dollar plus uh, a year. And so it really depends on their particular needs. Um, you know, if you are a company that's producing a ton of content across 50 different languages and you're doing this a lot around, around, you know, a dozen different channels, then you're going to need more software. If you're a smaller company or a two person mobile app that's just starting out and you've got something that could potentially be a hit in the future, and you're really just getting started with smaller content and smaller number of languages, it doesn't cost quite as much. So it really depends on what your particular needs are. And how does the tech actually work? Are there humans involved or is it all kind of AI and natural language processing? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. There's definitely humans involved. And while while AI and machine translation, you know, computer-generated translation, like something like Google Translate, 
you know, has gone undergone some really incredible advances in the last year or so. Um, translation is still one of those things that really requires humans, particularly when you're talking about marketing content and high impact content that's mission critical to your operation. But that said, you know, there are certainly things that we do to help to facilitate faster and better translation. And we do that through a combination of software and people. So we've got, you know, we have, you know, thousands and thousands of translators positioned around the world who understand- Are those all full-time? Like what's your full-time team size? Oh, we've got 200 people full-time. Okay, and we've the rest got, are contractors. Yeah, 10,000 contracted translators around wow. the world. Yeah, so the full-time people are largely around software and sales and customer service. But, you know, when you're translating into French, you probably want somebody who's working out of his or her home in Paris. If you're translating into Chinese, you want somebody who's working out of his or her home in, say, Beijing. And so it just makes more sense to be working with contractors who are working out of their home and wake up in the morning and say, hey, I've got eight customers, eight clients that I'm working with. I understand their brands. I see the content that's coming in. And now I'm ready to translate for that particular company. And when did you launch the company? Eight years ago. Eight years ago, we started the company. 2009, Uh, huh? 2009, yeah. So we're just coming up on our our eight-year anniversary right now. And uh, it's been an exciting ride. Have you bootstrapped the company or raised capital? Uh, we've raised capital. We raised four rounds of capital. We've raised $63 million uh, over this entire period. Um, you know, we started bootstrapped. And if you remember 2009, that was a really challenging financial time. So we definitely bootstrapped. I put money in and my own experience as a software developer. And we started building a team of other developers, started building the platform. And as we added more and more customers, you know, we said, I know you like numbers here in the, yeah, in this, in this talk, talk sexy you know, to me, Jack. Yeah. We started out, uh, you know, we started out and said, you know, boy, look, I think if we could build a prototype and if we could get three customers, three customers to use it and try it out and say, you know, hey, this has actually been really, really helpful to us. It's helped us to grow our business internationally. Then we could use that to be able to go raise our first series A. And that's exactly what we set out to do. And we didn't know how much to charge. So we sort of tried to look at, you know, things like, well, how much costs are we avoiding for that particular company? How much time are people spending managing this process by hand in a manual way that's just, you know, not very conducive to the kind of fast moving, you know, Bay Area startup companies that we would typically work with? How much time would we be saving them and how can we turn that into dollars? When we got three customers. Then we went out to the marketplace and we were able to raise $4 million. And then from there, we said, OK, now let's. What, what valuation with those three customers that many years ago? Um, well, I think by the time we finished it up, by the time we started the round, you know, I think we, we were and you know, and, and we had by then about, uh, you know, seven to 10 customers paying us, you know, you know, many, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on a, on an annual basis up to, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Then we, you know, then we were sort of in a six to $10 million sort of value in, in that range. Yeah. That was a note or, a, or an equity round. It was an equity round. You oh, know, I think yeah, it was an equity round. And, uh, and so we've just continued to grow from there. And at every step in the process, We've looked at what is the next thing we need to do. And first it was about getting a prototype that worked and solved people's problems. Then it was about really perfecting that product and making the product better. Then it was about, you know, taking that that uh, that product and making sure we could build a repeatable sales process. And, you know, now we're at the stage where we're really trying to, uh, you know, to perfect things like, you know, every SaaS business is a subscription business. You're asking people to pay you on a monthly or annual basis. And the commitment we're making is we're going to continue to add new product features and capabilities to make our customers happy. And the commitment we want back from our customers is keep paying us. But what you, by the way, what, Jack, what are you at today now in terms of total customers? 
Yeah. So we're at, we're at, you know, let's, let's call it rapidly approaching about 500 enterprise customers at, at this point. Yeah. Uh, from so, seven to 10 in years one and two, that's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad, right? It's great. Um, but you know, every year we churn some customers, some customers leave for any number of reasons. They churn because they are going out of business or because they, you know, they're having other troubles internally. Or, Jack, are you talking like 5% logo churn annually or 10, 20? What is it? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, we think about it both in terms of logo churn and we think about it in terms of revenue churn. And realistically, because we have a spread of customers that might be paying us $10,000 a year all the way up to a million dollars plus, what's really more important to us is revenue churn. And so what we're trying to do there is make sure that we can retain as much revenue as possible from here. And so, look, we're, we're always targeting something in sort of the exemplary SASH range of about, you know, eight to 12%, something in that sort of, sort of range is a really great place to be. By the way, we haven't always been You're talking you know, gross revenue churn. I'm talking about, yeah, I, I'm talking about that. I, I accept that we will not be able to keep every single customer. And so, yeah, but Jack, are yeah. you giving me the reason I'm asking this is because yeah. you can drive expansion revenue. So you can actually get to net negative revenue expansion. If you're, if you're giving me uh, revenue churn right now, are you, are you giving me customer logo churn or revenue churn? Yeah, I'm actually t- giving you revenue churn. But what I'm actually saying is, is we expect that of our existing customer base, we hope that we will retain 90% to 92% of that revenue every year. In addition to that, we will be selling more customers. We will be selling more customers and we'll be adding them to our base of revenue. I know you love numbers here. So the idea is that, you know, think of it like a bucket. And if if in that bucket, I am pouring more customers into the top of the bucket, but I've got customers and customer revenue dripping out of the bo- bottom of that bucket, I want to make sure that the volume of of water inside that bucket is always increasing. You haven't spoken to yet, which I believe you probably have, maybe not expansion revenue. So not, not revenue from new customers, but how are you growing current accounts in a given year? Is that predictable growth? It is predictable growth. And because like every SaaS company, we offer a product that you will pay more if you need advanced capabilities, if you need additional capacities, if you need different infrastructure. What are those actual metrics? Is it number of languages, number of countries, number of seats? What are the utility metrics you price on? Yeah. So there's two products we have. And so to answer that question, there's really two products that we have. One is a product that we call our translation management system. It is a workflow management system to help companies to translate content more efficiently. The metric there is how much content are you pushing through the system? So if you're putting a little bit of content through a couple of different languages, very small. If you're putting hundreds of millions of words of translation across hundreds of languages, that's on the big end. So that's one product. The other product we have acts like a content delivery network. In other words, what we're doing is, is when somebody has a website and they say, I've got a website in English, and we figured out that it's going to take us, I don't know, 12 to 18 months to be able to recode the application to be able to support multiple languages. It's a massive project. Instead of that, what they do is they call us up and we use a product we call our global delivery network. And essentially, the company, all they have to do is, it, let's say their site was, you know, mysite.com. They can create fr.mysite.com for French or sure. de for mysite.com. Subdomain management. Subdomain management. And then what we will do is we will deliver then as traffic, as, as a request is made by an end user to the site on the French version, we will take that English version of their site and very rapidly we will parse all that content, rip out the English, look inside of the database for the professional, human, expert, translated content, put the whole page back together in French or German or Chinese or whatever, deliver that back to them. 
And so the advantage of that product is you can get to market very, very quickly across 5, 10, 50 languages with minimal engineering help. And the capacity that we charge for there is how much traffic are you pushing? Got it. So this is that this additional product and the traffic related to that is your number one kind of driver of expansion revenue. Absolutely. That's right. So if you are, you know, if you're if you're pushing a ton of content through this and a ton of people are showing up at all of your multilingual sites and we're helping you sell more, then you probably should pay more. As I'm traveling the world on planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, guys hear it. I'm closing loads of different deals, whether it's buying a company, closing a new account for gitlatka.com, you name it, I've got to do it. And part of my issue is signing documents while I'm on the road. So I just found this new tool. I'm using it pretty aggressively. It's called Sign Easy. So you can get started for free at gitsigneasy.com forward slash podcast. You'll see contracts that I've signed there and And boy, oh boy, are they big and they work and the app is so easy to use. Get started today at getsigneasy.com forward slash podcast. And now we're starting kind of at the end of the customer journey, but let's go back to the beginning. What are you paying to acquire one of these bad boys and what do you like to optimize payback period for? Well, it's a good question. I mean, look, when if you, if we are we're an enterprise company, and so while most of our accounts are you know somewhere in the range of sort of say let's say you know uh, you know in sort of the eighty thousand dollar plus range, eighty thousand to two hundred thousand dollar range. So we're an enterprise company that requires enterprise sales and marketing, and so that means we have a an incredible marketing team, and we're running real marketing you know um, programs where we're spending millions of dollars a year on events on more or less than five million. Um, let's call it right about in that range. Okay. It's about, about 5 million. About, yeah, about, in, and, and that includes, that includes Google ads, Facebook ads, conferences, all that stuff. All of that. St- yeah. All of that stuff. And, you know, we're smart about how we run things. We're smart about where we invest our money, but we use the very typical channels that enterprise customers use. We use LinkedIn. We use Facebook. We use Google. We use events. We use seminars. We use webinars. We host so when, you, when you add all this up, Jack, what's your fully weighted CAC? Uh, <laughs> I don't actually know the answer to that, but the way I think about it is I think about it in terms of payback periods. And so, you know, I think great SaaS companies, great, great SaaS companies are paying something back inside of a year. You know, acceptable SaaS companies are paying something back inside of between two to three years. Look, we fluctuate like many companies and we operate sometimes in sort of the, you know, 18 month range and sometimes in about the 24 month range. And as Got long it. as I'm somewhere in that range, I'm generally happy with it. And you know, at an ACV of kind of between 80 and 200 and an 18 month payback period, you're, you know, you're happy somewhere between call it 130 up to 300 grand in terms of spending that on CAC, depending on which cohort you're closing. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. Unfortunately, we've got some fluctuation between what our deal sizes are, so it's not always that cut and dry. I'd hate to spend, you know, $130,000 to bring in a $10,000 customer, yeah. <laughs> but, but if I can bring in the right kind of customer and with a revenue with a revenue churn of let's call it, you know, around 10%, something like that, what that really means is I've got a customer that's going to stay with me for 4, 5, 6 years. And so if I can bring in a customer for $130,000 that pays $100,000 a year, that's a $600,000 lifetime value customer. And okay. that's really what we're going for. Makes a we're lot going, of sense. We're going for acquiring customers and bring them and bring them in, keep them customers for life. That's good, our- Jack. Now, as we wrap up here, running out of time, I just want to go back a second here. So you mentioned 500 customers, again, 10 grand a year minimum. If I divide that by 12, that's about, what is that? 830 bucks a month times 500 puts you somewhere around what? 410 grand a month in revenue. Is that generally accurate? Um, 
No, I think that's a little bit off, but I'm not going to share that number with you. So yeah, that's okay. Am I uh, are, are you am, am I not giving that, you enough credit or giving you too much? Are you above that or below that? Uh, we're above that. Yeah, you're, you're above. If I did the math right on this, yeah, yeah yes. Okay. So that, yeah. When do you uh, when do you, when do you break the magical kind of ten million dollar ARR mark? Do you think that's next year or 2019, 2020? Uh, we've already broken that. We're way okay, above. You, that. Oh, then you're yeah. then you're then you're doing well above four hundred sixteen grand a month. Yeah, I, I, I think in terms of annual now, we're not thinking about it on a monthly basis because our contracts are annual and our customers generally commit to this on an annual basis. So I think about it annually. Got but it, got it. Yeah, I mean, not talk, let's not talk about, about any more revenue, Nathan. I've given you a lot of information that folks can probably start to think about this, but my competitors would love to know what those numbers well, I mean, are. Hey, Jack, just so you know, that's the purpose of the show, right? It's for people right. to think. So that's why I, I ask. But just to be clear, I want to give you credit, right? I mean, you're, you're double what I said. You're not at 400. You're almost at 800. So I mean, there's a lot of credit here. You should study what Jack has shared in the show apply it to your own companies and your own industries and, and learn from him. So Jack, I appreciate that. Now, um, before we wrap up with the famous five, you know, obviously you've raised capital. Are you trying to, I mean, what are your growth targets year over year? You're, you're breaking 50% year over year growth or higher or lower? Well, the bigger we get, the harder it is to double the business every year. And so, you know, we, we doubled the business for every year for quite some time and we're no longer doing that, yeah. but you know, but we were just recognized, um, uh, Deloitte has their, you know, their annual um, fastest growing 500 companies. And this is the, we did it three years ago and we were in their top 500. We actually forgot to do it two years ago and we did it again this year and still in their top 500. So That's our good. growth rates are, are, are still really in respectable territories. I'd always love for them to be bigger. I mean, every, yep. every company is looking for more growth and we're starting to think about, you know, frankly, where are the new products and services that we might build that are ancillary to the products and services we have right now that we can cross sell customers to make sure that we're growing in an appropriate way. So law of large numbers, obviously 100% year over year makes it gets really tough, but can we say you're doing more than, so between 50 and hundred percent year over year, is that fair? Uh, we're on the lower end of that. Okay, we're on the lower good. It's, again, people understand that it's tough. It's easy yeah. to go from $1 to $2, much tougher to go from a hundred million right. to 200 million. That's right. All right. Very good. Uh, let's jump in here, Jack, and finish up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book. I love the book that's called um, Thinking Fast and Slow that helps uh, that that identifies um, and, and I'm, you know, and I probably should have prepared for this part of the conversation because I know there's something that you do. Thinking Fast and Slow is a terrific book that talks about, um, you know, our brains that are thinking brains and our brains that are leftover sort of lizard brains and the, and the kinds of parts of where we're, where we are evaluating uh, opportunities and circumstances and who we should elect and who we should marry and all those kinds of things. And the fact that sometimes we make decisions based on very thoughtful, careful analysis, but an awful lot of times we're making decisions based on sort of that snap judgment of what happens, um, you know, as we're, as we're making, uh, you know, quick decisions on things. And sometimes those don't always happen. It's a terrific book. It's honestly one of the most profound books I've ever read. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? You know, look, I, I actually really think that, uh, you know, I, I really think that Tim Cook is doing a really pretty incredible job at Apple. Um, I think he had some big shoes to fill. And I think that, uh, he recognizes that the iPhone still has a lot of life left into it from a growth perspective, but is also starting to think about what's next. Maybe that's self-driving cars. Maybe that's some sort of augmented reality. I think that, uh, you know, the, the transformation that Apple has gone under to, uh, and that, you know, as under Tim Cook's leadership where you are, you know, leasing phones, phones now are not really, many people are not buying them outright. They're actually leasing them. And that is becoming Apple's own sort of SaaS service offering. I think that's a really pretty tr uh, tremendous transformation that Tim Cook is leading. And number three, what's your favorite online tool? Favorite online tool. Um, you know, 
That's a really good question. Um, just Jack, I, quick, quick, I, just because we, we ran out Google of time, Docs. quick answer. Google Docs. Google Docs. I think Google Docs is, is terrific. All right, I think good. And what's yep. your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married kids. How many? Four kids. Four kids. All right. And Jack, how old are you? I am 48. 48. And how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About uh, 4.8. <laughs> That's pretty good. Very specific. Last question. Take us back 28 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? You know, I've had a pretty good life. I, I was a military pilot, as we talked about earlier, for 10 years. I'm, I've am i been an entrepreneur. You know, I'm running my own business here. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, I mean, I, I've lived all around the world. It's not I'm, a regret, though. Like, just something you wish you knew. Yeah, something I wish I knew. Um, I probably wish I knew... I probably should have spent a little bit more time earlier on in my career really understanding how to sell, really understanding sales. Sales drives business. Yep. There you guys have it from Jack. He would have spent a little more time earlier on in his career understanding sales, uh, contributed, was in the, again, Air Force for 10 years, as he mentioned, then got out and used that discipline to found Smartling in 2009. They've since grown, helping many, many brands, over 500 large brands, scale their content online across as many languages really as they want. They were doing about 100% year-over-year growth, now obviously closer to 50% year-over-year as they grow, You know, doing kind of on the 800 grand-ish per month range, churn, uh, payback period, all that stuff super healthy. He optimized his payback period for between 18 and 24 months. They've raised $63 million to continue growing the business with their team of 200 folks uh, based in New York and throughout the United States. Jack, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. It's great.